Lakers sign LeBron catching up in the West. Warriors say no, nobody's gonna touch us. You took McGee, we laugh and laugh and sign the Marcus Cousins. It's gonna be a boogie wonderland. Stop. Boogie Wonderland. Welcome, Tanks Army, to another edition of Allow Me to Be Frank. We're recording this on Monday night, July 2nd, 2018. In a little bit, we have coming up Big Man on Campus at Jeff Nadu. He does a show with Blackjack Fletcher. He's big into gambling. We kind of hit on the recent NBA news. We we talk a bit about the World Cup, sports gambling legalization, and then and then kind of some quick college football thoughts um, as we get ready to head to the football season. But but Frank, we're here tonight. The NBA is crazy right now. This is the 20th anniversary of Michael Jordan's final championship and kind of the end of that great Bulls dynasty. We're here. We're here to kind of talk that through. Do another Tank Tales, our first NBA one. All right. Yeah. The Bulls were a team that that was had a couple of good years in the seventies, and but never really made a serious run at any title. Mm-hmm. The nineteen eighty four came around, and everything changed. Uh, they drafted Michael Jordan, who was coming off, who was about to play in the eighty four Olympics as Player of the Year, had a terrific three year run in uh, North Carolina. And as soon as he got to the NBA, it was clear that this guy was going to be something special. I mean, he made the all-star team his rookie year. Now, things started happening right away. Uh, His rookie year, now, he made the all-star team. And uh, Isaiah Thomas got a couple of your players to freeze him out. Freeze him out in what sense? Don't pass the ball to him. Isaiah Thomas and the Pistons we're talking about here? Yep. In the NBA all-star game, the... Got some of the veterans did not pass the ball to him. What was his reasoning? He didn't like the fact that a rookie made the team. Jesus. But you know what? Isaiah would pay the price for that. He would yep. pay the price for that. I know you're getting at, and we we will get to that. Uh, Jordan's Jordan's rookie season. I have down here. He finished third in the league in scoring. Kind of goes off what you're saying. How dominant he was right away. I mean, his second year, he had some injury issues. Uh, he uh, missed most of the season. But then he uh, gets to the playoffs, and he plays a Celtic team that went 40 and forty and 1 at home. And he scores 63 points at the Boston Garden. Still the uh, highest points total ever in an NBA playoff game. Right? They lose the game. They got swept. And you see, the early years of Jordan was Michael – it was – Michael in the Jordanaires, there was nothing around him. Mm-hmm. He played on a team that had nobody. Uh, then they got lucky enough, uh, the, the, they snooker the, uh, the Supersonics to trade uh, them Scotty Pippen's draft rights for the draft rights of Odin Polynes. Yeah, not a good one, Seattle. Not a good one. So the early, the early, oh, I was just going to chime in for a sec. The early years of Jordan here, Kind of like you're saying, he had he had that crazy game in Boston. I think it was game two of that series. Uh, Larry Bird called him God disguised as Michael Jordan after that, correct? Something like that. It was a cra- but it was just a crazy game. Crazy, crazy game. But it, and 
But the Celtics outclassed the Bulls, swept the series. So it, it took the it took the Bulls a couple of years to finally get something going. Uh, Eighty eight, uh, Michael Jordan won uh, the NBA MVP, but Bulls went nowhere in the playoffs. Nowhere. The moment we started seeing things change is in '89. That since Scottie Pippen started to get find his way, started to get uh, started to improve into an NBA star. And they played the Cleveland Cavaliers in the playoffs. Uh, I believe they were the sixth seed at the time. And it was game five in Cleveland. And this is the moment the Bulls dynasty really started to begin. One set, like, like last shot, Jordan makes this perfect shot over Craig Elo. And the Bulls win that series. They go on to upset the Knicks in the next round, go to the Eastern Conference Finals, and go up against the Pistons. Now, at the time, the Pistons had taken over from the Celtics. The Celtics were the dominant team in the East, and the bad boy Pistons, who were like this bruising team, had uh, Bill Lambeer, Dennis Rodman, Joe Dumars, Rick Mahorn. They, uh, they'd fight you, and they beat you, and they end up winning two NBA championships. After losing a heartbreaking Game 7 to 1998, they could have been a bigger dynasty. They lost a series to the Lakers. That was a classic series in 1988, which uh, uh, Isaiah Thomas hurt his knee, I mean, hurt his ankle, and still managed to score 45 points in Game 6. And he tried to play in Game 7, but eventually he just couldn't play the second half. He couldn't really play the second half, and the Lakers ended up winning the game and the championship in Game 7. So now, the, now the, uh, the, the Bulls have to go up against this Pistons team. And they didn't play badly in the 1989 Eastern Conference Finals, but the Pistons were clearly the better team. And for some reason, I think the uh, management didn't think that Doug Collins could take them the rest away. The so Doug Collins was fired. And they hire a guy from, uh, what was that league called? The ABL? There was a minor league basketball league. I'm trying to remember what the, league, the league's name was. Was it the ABL? The Continental Basketball Association? CBA, yes. By the way, I guess you destroyed the CBA. Tell us. Isaiah Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> After he retired, he became like president of the CBA. And he's like, the decisions he made like made the league go bankrupt in like two or three years. Of which, of course, the Knicks decided after that goes, "Ooh, let's put this guy in charge of basketball." <laughs> which point the Knicks have not recovered. Isaiah Thomas, great player, front office executive, an absolute train wreck. So anyway, um, the uh, Bulls can't get past the Pistons. The Pistons are the only team at the table to slow down Michael Jordan, and it's just deep, this bruising defense they play. So they hire a coach. From the uh, Albany Patroons of the CBA. And, of course, that's Phil Jackson. And uh, 1990, they go against the Pistons again in the Eastern Conference Final. But this time, they actually take the Pistons to a seventh game. And you could, start, you could almost see in that series, it was starting to come together for the, late, for the Bulls. You could see it almost coming together for them. So the next year... After the Pistons win their second straight title, Bulls come back. 
And by now, they're starting to take over. They finished with the best record in the East, and they sweep the Pistons. And the Pistons, the, what's famous about this game is when they, yeah, beat, when they yeah, eliminated the Pistons, the Pistons left the floor. All their big stars left the floor for like 45 seconds left and didn't even bother acknowledging the, like, the, the Bulls. No, no shake hands, no, none of the sportsmanship after the end of the game. It was just the, the Pistons all like walked off the floor. And that was like, a big, big deal at like, the time? Yeah, it was. Everyone was like saying that was like uh, disrespectful for the Bulls. Because Jordan still hated Isaiah Thomas, mm-hmm. and I'll get I'll I'll get to the conclusion of that story in a second. So anyway, after the Bulls beat the Pistons, now they have to go against Lakers. So now everyone, it's Magic versus Michael, and, and uh, Lakers were a little bit of a surprise that year. The, the Blazers had the best season that it had their best record that year. They uh, they lost to the Pistons the year before in the NBA Finals. Uh, Pat Riley was gone. He was not their coach anymore. This was Mike Dunleavy's Lakers. And a lot of people expected that it was going to be uh, the, the Blazers were going to it was going to be the Blazers' year, but they they did not. They lost to the Lakers. So now all of a sudden we got the Lakers back in the finals, and it's Jordan versus uh, Magic and. Game one, the big star is Sam Perkins. Lakers take one game one in uh, in Chicago. But the Bulls, I mean, you could tell the Bulls, even though they lost game one, that they were the better team. So they uh, go out, win game two, and then they go to L.A. and they win all three games in L.A. Boom, boom, boom. I mean, a couple of games were closed. John Paxton had a couple of big shots. And it was like cathartic. It was there were a lot of people who actually thought Michael Jordan. If you would ask someone circa 1990, Michael Jordan is not a good player. He's not a winner. He can't win the big game. Imagine that. Imagine people were saying that in 1990, Magic, Michael Jordan cannot win the big game. I remember uh, listening to uh, a radio show, uh, WFAN. They had this guy that was a ham and egger. It was like a weekend host named Steve Fredericks. And uh, to tell you, this is, this is how dumb Steve Fredericks is. A guy calls up Steve Fredericks and tells him, You're go- the Bulls are going to win the NBA championship. He hung up on the guy and goes, well, first off, you got to know something about basketball. Michael Jordan will never win an NBA championship. He's not a winning player. He's- so this was, this was actually a pervasive thought back then. People mm-hmm. actually would argue that Michael Jordan was not a winner. Imagine saying that. I was gonna bring that up. Was there was there like a small hint of like truth to that, or like a reason to believe that at the time though? If Jordan, what was it? He was too ball dominant. Yelled yeah, at his teammates, yeah, like that yeah, sort of he thing. Was too much of a ball hog, and it was back to goes back to the years of the uh, where the Bulls were called the Michael and the Jordan Hairs. Mm-hmm. But people didn't realize how, how good Scottie Pippen was. Yep. And once Scottie Pippen developed into an all-star, to give him, to give Batman his Robin, it was over. So the Bulls win 1991 championship. Michael Jordan, of course, is hugging that NBA trophy. He's crying over it. You know, there's something rewarding when you stick with a team and you, 
You carry them. I'm looking at you, Kevin Durant. <laughs> when you finally beat the team that always beat you. Again, I'm looking at you, Kevin Durant. Did not join the team that always beat you. Yeah, Kevin Durant. That wasn't meant for you. <laughs> I mean, there's something just extra rewarding about that and makes him a bigger legend. So my so Jordan and the Bulls are NBA champions. Jordan is ruling the NBA. So now it's time to start picking the roster for the dream team. Da 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 do 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 do. Remember that guy who froze out Michael Jordan? Isaiah Thomas had those rivalry games with the Pistons and Bulls, but he froze out Michael Jordan as a rookie. Nike was in charge of the Dream Team, and Michael Jordan basically told the told the people who were putting the Dream Team together, "If Isaiah goes, I don't." Ever wonder why Isaiah Thomas, who was one of the best players in that era, wasn't part of that team? And it was all because he froze out Michael Jordan as a rookie. Yeah, and if you're if you're making that team, I'm pretty so this was the first the first time that pros played for the Olympics, correct? I mean I mean you had you had all the big names. You had Bird, you had Magic, you had Michael, Scotty, Pippen. Patrick Ewing, uh, Chris Mullen, who was a big star at the time, Carl Malone, Carl Malone, John Stockton, Barkley, Barkley. The one guy who wasn't there, and he was just as big a star. I just mentioned to you the Pistons won two straight NBA titles. This guy in 1988 played on a sprained ankle, scored 45 points in Game Six of the NBA Finals. Uh, led the Pistons to two NBA championships, and, and he wasn't on there. His coach is there, Chuck Daly. Although Chuck Daly, by the time the Dream Team rolled around, left uh, Detroit to go coast to New Jersey Nets. He kept Isaiah Thomas off the team. I mean, that goes to show you don't be don't be don't be an asshole. It also I mean, I, shows. How big of a star, though, like you said, like once Jordan won that championship, like how big he had become oh, was for basketball. Over. It was that he had, he had that clout to say, no, Isaiah Thomas isn't going to be on his team. And it's not And if you're the committee making the team, you can't you pretty much have to. You can't say no to Jordan at that time. I mean, his, his shoes alone were making him a big star. But then you had the Gatorade commercials come out. The song, Sometimes I Dream. And he is me. You know, that's how I like to dream to be like Mike. If I could be like Mike. I mean, it was just everything. And then next year came along. And the Bulls actually finally got a rivalry. They got the team that was supposed to be, that was going to be their their upcoming team in the East. To challenge them. Like, like. The Pistons came along to challenge the uh, Celtics, and after a while, it was the Pistons that took over. Then the Bulls challenged the Pistons, and the Bulls took over. The new team, the new threat in the East was going to be the Knicks, who got Pat Riley as their coach that year. And uh, he really transformed the Knicks. They were a directionless team. 
They had Patrick Ewing, but didn't have a direction. He decided to focus them on defense and toughness, and it really turned things around. It made the Knicks a serious contender. And uh, the Knicks actually played the uh, Bulls in the second round, and they they absolutely like these are physical matchups. Now, the Bulls were never going to lose the series. But, the, but it was a home court series. The home team won all seven games. And it's one of the only times during this dynasty that the Bulls were pushed to a game seven. So the Knicks gave the Bulls some, something to think about. Uh, then, of course, the Bulls go on win game seven, beat the Cavaliers, and they uh, beat the Blazers. And, uh, of course, that series is they beat the Blazers in six games. That series is famous for game one at the United Center. Uh, well, not the United Center. It was still Chicago Stadium then. Still Chicago Stadium. The United Center didn't open up for a few more years. It was still Chicago Stadium where he shrugged after hitting a three-pointer. He had like nine three-pointers, and Jordan was never really a three-point shooter. So he just like shrugged. So I was like, I could do anything I want. <laughs> so I was almost like, what are you saying? So they went two in a row. So 93 rolls around. Now, no team had won three in a row since the Celtics dynasty of the 60s. The uh, Lakers had uh, trademarked three-peat, thinking that they were going to three-peat, which, of course, they didn't. So Bulls come in, but this year was different. The Knicks were even better. They made some trades. They made some strong moves. And all of a sudden, the Knicks were the best team in the Eastern Conference all year. And there was a little fracturing on the Bulls. There was a little fracturing. Uh, Horace Grant, who was like the third man, and uh, Robert Parrish were getting tired of Michael Jordan, like, being critical whenever they made mistakes. Because Michael Jordan would, like, like tear into a player if he uh, made an error. He would, like, even tear on a his, new one. Even on his own team, you're saying? Oh, tear him all the ball the time. Uh, Phil Jackson had was the Zen master. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is when the tri- of course the triangle worked because if you have Michael Jordan the triangle is going to work mm-hmm. uh, I mean if you have my- if Jordan and Pippen you just need a third guy for this triangle so he's doing the Zen Buddha Kumbaya my lord and Michael Jordan says I'm going to kick your ass if you don't get that play done you know it's a little more effective I'm going to kick your ass so anyway but the, 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 the uh, Bulls actually finished behind the Knicks for the uh, best record in the East. And it was just, everyone knew the two teams would play in the Eastern Conference Finals. It wasn't even a contest. Two teams just, like, just rolled away. It was, okay, let's, let's, get, let's, let's get ready for a real big showdown. And the first two games at Madison Square Garden, the Knicks just beat down the Bulls. Uh, there was a play where John Starks posterized Michael Jordan. I mean, he, like, posterized him. And then this is when he starts to learn something about Michael Jordan. It's like the the old uh, the old Incredible Hulk TV, TV show. You ever see the Incredible Hulk TV show? <laughs> Philson. All right, this is a TV show in the 70s. It wasn't like the new Hulk that's on the Marvel Comics this is a more like toned down Hulk. 
Lou Ferrigno played the Hulk. Bill Bixby played the David Banner, and what happened? What happened would be uh, they had the uh, the opening of the, the credits, and there was a line on there: "Don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry." And he would turn into the Hulk. So, and on top of this, we were talking uh, about Atlantic City. Michael Jordan went down to Atlantic City and lost like 65000 in between game one and two. So this started becoming a big scandal. Jordan's gambling habit. Is he, is he, is he, is he a gambling addict? Is he another Pete Rose? So pulls go to Chicago, and they dumped the Knicks. They dumped the Knicks, win both games, get the series even. They go back to New York. Knicks had a 28-game winning streak at Madison Square Garden, 28-home game winning streak. And game five is what set beside the whole series. Bulls were up by one point with like 10 seconds left. And this guy, Charles Smith, gets the ball. Like under the basket. And he gets fouled, hacked, shoved, hit, hard, pushed. Four blocks, boom, boom, boom. He tries to go for a dunk, no. Tries to go for a dunk, reject it. Tries to go for a dunk, pull down. Tries to go for a dunk, pull down. And then the Bulls get the ball, go down the other court, score as time ended, and they win game five, win game six, go back to the NBA Finals and play the Phoenix Suns. And the Suns had home court that year, but the Bulls won both games to start the series in Phoenix. Game three went to triple overtime, and the Suns won. The Suns actually went into Chicago, won game three in triple overtime. And then the next thing you know, game four, Jordan answers. 45 points. What did he score 55? He scored a whole bunch of points in game four. Like his, his best playoff performance in finals ever. I think it might have been 55 now that I think about it. So Bulls go up three to one, but actually lose game five at home and have to go back to Phoenix. And game six was a close game. And uh, the Bull, the, the Suns all thought Michael Jordan was going to take the game winning shot. It was 55 instead, points. Yeah. Instead, he kicks it out. Instead, the Bulls kick the ball out to John Paxton, who kicks, the, who uh, wins the game, who, who wins the game. And, Clinch's title number three. So here we go. The Bulls are the top of the NBA world. And what do they do? They sign one of the top Eastern, the top European players in Tony Kukoc. So everyone's expecting them. Oh, they're going to be better this year. They're, a, they're now a super team. They lost Horace Grant and they got Kukoc. And Kukoc is going to be better than Grant. I mean, uh, Everyone's anticipating, of course, it was a rough offseason for Michael Jordan. Uh, uh, these two jackasses kill his father while trying to carjack him. And, and then there's rumors, well, is this for his gambling debts? Is someone hitting Michael Jordan for his gambling debts? Mm-hmm. It turns out to be these two loser kids. I mean, they're like tw- 18, 19, 20-year-olds to just, like, carjack somebody, shot him, and left his car, left him in his car in the middle of nowhere. So... I mean, it was a rough offseason for Michael Jordan. We go to game one of the American League Championship Series in baseball. The Chicago White Sox are playing the Toronto 
Blue Jays in Kaminsky Park. And uh, to try to hype up the crowd, they have Michael Jordan throw out the first pitch for the White Sox to start the uh, ALCS. But before the game over is over, he like rushes out of the stadium as a rumor creeps up that he's going to retire the next day. And all of a sudden, Michael Jordan, at the top of his game, retires. And nobody knows why. Now, the next a couple of months later, they find out that he wants to try to play baseball. Now, while Michael Jordan's trying to play baseball, the Bulls still have a good year. They still have a good year without Michael Jordan. and But they lose in the second round a hard-fought seven-game series to the Knicks. And there was some controversy because the Knicks got a foul call, like a phantom foul call in game five that helped them win. And the home team won all seven games in that series, by the way. Uh, and that was the end of Chicago Stadium. That was Chicago Stadium closed down after that series. And the next year, the United Center opens. Uh, before the, uh, the uh, United Center opens, the Bulls retire his number. They have a special night, and they unveil the statue. The statue that you see in front of the United Center. They retire number 33. Uh, of course, Michael Jordan was wearing 45 in baseball. Wasn't a good baseball player. Then all of a sudden, just before spring training starts, baseball still in its strike mode, and Jordan makes a statement: "I'm not going to play. I'm not going to play with the scabs." So he doesn't report to spring training. Then you started hearing rumors that he's practicing basketball, and it was just a two-word statement that came out. I'm back. And he actually, he actually wears 45 now. He wears Michael Jordan's wearing number 45. He comes back. He shows some rust in his first few games. But then he goes to Madison Square Garden. And what does he do? He drops a double nickel on the Knicks. I mean, he tormented the Knicks. Tormented the Knicks. I mean, the Knicks were a really good team in the 90s. They were really good. He just got tormented by Michael Jordan. But the Bulls that year, there was something off about Jordan. He didn't have his legs. He was a little behind. And they end up losing to the Orlando Magic. Now, what was funny is, there was a game where Anthony Hardaway, Penny Hardaway, remember Penny Hardaway? This guy was actually considered a superstar. He was a big star, was like the backup, it was like the... the the partner to uh, Shaquille O'Neal in Orlando. He was supposed to be the, the, the dynamic duel in, in uh, Orlando, but his career ended up pittering out after um, Shaq went to L.A. So Jordan, he made a comment that 45 is not the same player that number 23 is. So what does Michael Jordan do? He comes out the next game, and he's wearing number 23. So, but, but the Magic win the series. They win the series in six games. So the Bulls go into the offseason. Jordan focuses on a full offseason of focusing on basketball, getting back in basketball strength, shape. Uh, the uh, Bulls add, uh, add some defense and depth. They acquire Dennis Rodman. Come out in 1995-96 and just absolutely dominate. 72-10. and 10. 
at the mo- at the time the most wins ever in an NBA season, only topped by the Warriors a couple of years ago. Interesting to know that Steve Kerr was on that team. A lot of people forget that Steve Kerr actually. Steve, I made a joke a couple of years ago. If the Bulls played the uh, the Warriors, the '96 Bulls played the uh, the 2016 Warriors, I said this is what would happen. The game would be close. The Warriors would have a the game would be tied with uh, eight seconds left after Stephen Curry hits a big three pointer to tie it. Then they go to the other court. The Warriors will try to close in on Jordan, who kicks it out to Steve Kerr, who looks at the Warriors coach and hits the big game between the, the, the game winning shot and then smiles and winks at his older self. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so they blow through the playoffs. They, they, they dominate the playoffs. The only thing was they lost a couple of games in the NBA finals. They lost two games to the uh, Supersonics. And it was almost like they lost game five because they wanted to go home and mm-hmm. win it. Well, it was almost like they wanted to win game want, win, win this one in front of their home fans. So after they lose game five, they go home, we win game six. And Jordan, of course, goes back to the locker room, balls like a baby after they win. Bulls come back the next year, and they dominate again. And they, uh, this time they played the Jazz. Now the Jazz... They weren't intimidated by the Bulls. Now, the first two games in Chicago were won by Chicago. The next two games were won by Utah in Utah. And then you, you had game five. And I don't know what happened. Uh, all we know is that Michael Jordan was sick, had a hundred and something degree temperature. He comes out. He's lethargic. I mean, he didn't have anything, any energy. But somehow he's trying to play the game. But the and the Bulls fell behind early, but managed to claw their way back in the game. And somehow they're in the game in the fourth quarter. And then Michael Jordan, I don't know what he found, what magic elixir was in that Gatorade, but he scores 37 points, including some big shots at the end. And he's like walking off the floor, barely able to stand up. And it's just like, what can't he do at this point? That's what you're thinking after the flu game. Then, of course, it goes back to Chicago, another close game. And this time, Kerr hits the, like Paxton did in 93. Uh, Kerr hits the big shot late in the game, late fourth quarter of game six. And the Bulls have their fifth title. And then the next year, there were rumblings. The 1998 season was an NBA season where you could see the storm clouds gathering. It was the last year of the CBA. The uh, owners wanted to get some uh, the players to give some uh, things back. They wanted to get salaries more under control. They wanted to make a harder cap. They wanted to have uh, rookie salary caps. They didn't want to have rookie contracts getting out of control. And they wanted to have... Uh, the uh, salary situation where you couldn't sign a big deal anywhere, where you were limited to uh, max money. That's when max money started coming in. That was all on the horizon. Everyone knew after the 98 season there was going to be a work stoppage. Meanwhile, Jerry Krause of the Bulls made a statement, I don't want to be like the Celtics. And by 1998, the Celtics were a terrible team. 
older players like retired. You had a couple of death. You had the death of Reggie Lewis. The bird faded away. They traded Parrish. Parrish is actually playing on the Bulls for a while. Uh, they traded uh, Kevin McHale retired. And for a number of years, the Celtics were actually a bad team. So Jerry Krause made a statement, I don't want to be like the Celtics and drift around drift around the NBA. We got to start thinking about rebuilding now. So he basically made it known that he was going to break the team up after the 98 season. He let everyone know. Everyone knew the team was going to be broken up. So in the playoffs... They actually had some trouble. They actually were pushed to a seventh game by the Pacers. Uh, Larry Bird coaching the Pacers. He pushed. Uh, they pushed into a seventh game, but of course, Game Seven in Chicago. Jordan, you weren't going to beat them in a Game Seven in Chicago. So this time they played the Jazz again, and the Jazz had home court, and uh, the Bulls were able to steal one game in Utah, and then they took control of the series in Chicago. And they, but the uh, Jazz were able to win Game Five and get the series back to Utah for Game Six. And the rest is history. I mean, the game was close, but this time Michael Jordan, knowing this is going to be his last game with the Bulls, gets the ball and makes the magic shot. And that would have been such a perfect way to end his career. <laughs> and he had to become. A, he had to go play for the Bullets for a couple, the Wizards for a couple of years. Why? Why, Michael? Why? Why? And then, then, then they delayed him getting in the Hall of Fame forever. I mean, he was almost about ready to go in the Hall of Fame. They had at the time he had a five-year window. You had a five-year wait. Now it's only a three-year wait, so it's not as bad. But back then it was a five-year wait. And then he had to reset the clock and have another five-year wait. He doesn't get in the Hall of Fame until like 2010. And of course, then you have the, the crying Jordan thing. But why, Michael? Why? Why? That's the, the, that's the perfect mic drop moment. That's like dropping the mic and then picking up the mic and then fumbling the mic and then falling off the stage. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the Michael Jordan that played for the played for the Wizards. He, this, he what happened was he he eventually became president of the Wizards, vice president of the Wizards. He being like the GM. He drafted Kwame Brown, and this is <laughs> and Kwame Brown. This was huge mistake. He dressed Kwame Brown uh, out of high school, and all of a sudden, uh, in practice, Kwame Brown is like like you can start seeing. Oh boy, this guy's not. This guy doesn't have what it takes to make the NBA. He just doesn't have it. So Michael Jordan abuses him like like <laughs> like 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 a, a verbally abused him to the point where he was crying. In practices, I mean, the whole thing with the Wizards didn't work out because this is now Michael Jordan is 39 and 40 without playing for three or four years. So he's rusty, his legs are gone, the shot is gone, the magic's gone. I mean, this is this is Michael Jordan that just shell of himself. He should have never come out of retirement. And this is the only thing that tarnishes his legacy a little bit is those two years in Washington. It, it, you just look at him in those unit in that that purplish blue. In gold uniform and it just ah, it's just the word with that with that silly wizard on with the silly wizard on his the logo with the half moon. Why, Michael? Why? 
<laughs> I mean, the Wizards were a terrible team. And then he, then, then he retires and they fire him. And of course, then he goes buys the, then he goes and buys the Bobcats and makes them the Hornets. It's a, it's a tough spot. You said him coming back to the Wizards. You got to think some of these guys are just so competitive and they're just wired to be, think they can do it. And he left the game and came back once. I mean, who knows what his real motive was with the Wizards, but he probably just wanted one last, one last taste of those, of those competitive juices. Yeah, I guess that's what it was. Wrapping up a couple, a couple of Jordan thoughts here. Uh, rivals. Jordan never really had, I guess, I guess, or it was the Pistons, I guess, and he kind of. No, he had rivals. He I guess in he, sense there was no like Magic and Bird. I can't really think of another example. Maybe, maybe a rivalry like Magic and Bird just doesn't exist elsewhere. But my point being that like every time a potential rival came up, the the Blazers, the Knicks. Well, the Pistons, the, the Pistons, the Bulls had to learn to beat the Pistons first. Yeah. So, so, so I guess that's that was a different. But then, but then, when he was winning championships, it wasn't like they just kept beating up on this one team. They they beat the Lakers and then the Blazers and then the Suns and then the Sonics and then the Jazz. Like every time a new team would come up, the Bulls, yeah, Bulls would just take yeah. There care. was there was uh, the Jazz twice. They had the Knicks a couple of several times, uh, but the Knicks the Knicks were the most the, the toughest. I think mm. his toughest opponent. The Knicks should have won in 93, 93. They should have won in 93. Charles Smith should have not was uh, should have gone up stronger and got that ball in the net. What was it like when when Jordan retired the first time and it kind of became clear like he was actually retiring? I, mean, I, mean, I can't stunned. I, mean, I just can't imagine stunned. if that if that were to happen in like the Twitter era. It was a stunning move. Everyone was shocked. No one knew why. People actually are speculating was Michael Jordan secretly suspended for gambling. Yeah, and people still, you know, they're probably, there's still conspiracy theories about that. There's still conspiracy theories, yeah. Some of the other like, crazy Jordan stories that, you know, I've just heard tidbits from here and there are, like you said, like he lost, he was in Atlantic City and lost all that money, like gambling before finals games, and he would play. He would play like 18 holes of golf like the day of finals games. And I guess it was a different time, but but he really did have a problem with with whether it was, you know, like gambling and golfing and all that. He was a freak of nature. He could do it. It never affected him on the court, so nobody cared. No, when and not when you're going out there scoring 30 points a night, nobody cares. When you're going out there scoring 30 points a night, and here's the thing where while Michael Jordan's the best player of all time. What's the one thing LeBron James doesn't really do? I mean, he'll do it occasionally. He might make a block shot here and there. But yep. does LeBron James play consistent defense? Was LeBron James ever a defensive player of the year? I'm going to – so this is – so I'm 25 years old. Didn't see Jordan play, you know, in his prime and all that. I've seen LeBron's prime. I've also seen Tom Brady's prime. And my the take I kind of always share is right now, like for me, like there will never be better than Tom Brady. If any any future quarterback ever came along and was winning rings and people started talking about it, I would just tell them, no, they don't understand. You weren't there for Brady. You didn't see it. So the people who are there for Jordan are so adamant about it that I think I think there is something to the sense where you got to kind of like 
for those of us who weren't there, you got to kind of trust him on the Jordan thing just because no matter what LeBron does and no matter how rational it is to maybe build a case once, that LeBron is up there, the Jordan people will just – they won't accept it. Once LeBron once, – once Jordan learned how to win, and this is in 91, he only lost one playoff series. That was the year he came, he didn't play a full season. Mm-hmm. Not only did he only lose one playoff <laughs> series, only two series went to seven games. Yeah. So he didn't. He didn't even get pushed to the limit. He only. Had, he only played in two game sevens. Two game sevens. That's it. It's just like he. Nobody had a killer instinct like Jordan. Nobody had a killer instinct like Jordan. When when you're down, you he, he was gonna finish you. Mm-hmm. And he and... had this look. He had this look in his eye. You knew he and he was angry. You knew if someone trash talked him, or if he was like, they're questioning whether he could do something. You knew you're going to get an even bigger game from the next day. It's what it's what as a fan, it's what you'd want in a player. It's what makes sports so great, and I think it's why people have a lot of problems with the NBA right now. And we're going to talk with with Jeff Nadu here in a sec, kind of about the recent LeBron news, and then kind of tied into Durant. And it's just like Durant joining the 73-win Warriors and LeBron and the super teams. It's just the polar opposite of what Jordan did. And I think I think a lot of this stuff, what's going on right now, stems back to those Bulls teams and specifically what Michael did. Yep. All right, and we're now joined by big man on campus. Jeff, how are we tonight? I'm doing great, guys. Uh, good to be on. I'm a big fan of the show. Uh, Frank doing some big things. Uh, all you guys doing big things. Happy to be a part of it, Brendan. Yeah, Frank. Frank deserves it. Frank, we saw your tweet was the last night about Skip Bayless. Yeah. Remind the listeners what you said. I said, I can't believe this guy makes millions of dollars and I'm here just getting getting by and working at a freaking courthouse for a living. Yeah, skip skip's take on on the, like the whole LeBron situation. Potential. It was, LeBron it, was, it was so stupid. It wasn't funny. <laughs> Saying that LeBron James has meltdowns nightly, and if he gets Kawhi Leonard to join him, he'll have uh, another malcontent who uh, fakes injuries and uh, is often injured. Jeff, before we'll hit the NBA news, Jeff. Before we start, can you kind of just give us um, a bit of a background of what you do? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I bet on sports. That's kind of my main thing. I do content for a website called SBR, Sportsbook Review. Uh, basically, they review sports books, but they have a section where they do audio video content. I do a lot of uh, college basketball. That's kind of my main forte. I also do soccer, uh, college football. Um, I've been doing videos and content for, I don't know, five years or so now. Uh, I've been betting since I was able to watch TV, basically. It's been in my life basically forever and uh you know i kind of give out hot takes on the internet and, and do content and, and bet on sports for a living that's really uh kind of my main uh my main thing right now yeah thanks uh thanks for coming aboard <laughs> world cup i i tell you i i've been trying to bet the world cup on my bookie ag and of course if you go to my bookie ag you'll be uh get a sign up bonus if you use the promo code tank of 50 percent it, it, I mean, come on, why wouldn't you do it? I mean, you got the World Cup, you got Major League Baseball, and then it's it's now July, so right around the corner is the NFL. And, you know, NFL is when it's big-time college football, NFL, 
I mean, why just get ready now? Sign up now. Yeah, it's crazy. We're already in July and football's right about the corner. Uh, Frank, what would you like to start with? You want to start with the NBA news or you want to talk some World Cup? Yeah, we could talk some of the uh, NBA news. Uh, I mean, I mean, if you didn't see LeBron James signing with the Lakers, I mean, you had to be blind. I mean, come on. It was obvious he has a house in L.A. His kids are registered in L.A. schools. And, and, and he's basically just he, – he, he made him, the Cavaliers get rid of Kyrie because he just wanted to destroy Cleveland again. I mean, that's just the first – and then he, then he, like, flips out at uh, J.R. Smith. And the way he left, he was, like, high-fiving everyone with a broken hand. I mean, come on. If you, you're high-fiving people with a broken hand, I mean, the hand's broken. Why would – I mean, you risk destroying it forever if you high five people as you're leaving the court. <laughs> He's a phony, you know. <laughs> Frank, I'm not you gonna. Say, we're gonna get to the boogie thing in a sec, but how how could you be? How could you make LeBron the bad guy right here? Because he is. He complains about super teams, and then he goes and do, tries to create one himself. Frank, there's but, no one else on the Lakers right now. Yeah, the, he the, failed. Signed Demarcus Cousins for five million. The rest of the NBA, the rest of the NBA now knows he's a prick and doesn't want to play with him. Jeff, can you chime in here? And tell Frank he's crazy. Yeah, listen, I'm not gonna I, I, with the whole LeBron thing. I, I don't try to talk to people. It, it, look, if they're not LeBron people, I just kind of accept it. I am a LeBron guy. I think he's the greatest player ever. Um, th- the problem that I have with the move, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense from a basketball perspective. Look, if LeBron's going to grow his uh, global brand and, and do all that kind of thing and kind of run off into the sunset, I understand it totally. But from a basketball perspective, it makes absolutely little to no sense. Uh, you're not going to go to the, the Western Conference as it is and win. Uh, I don't care if you get Kawhi Leonard. You're still not going to beat the Golden State Warriors. And after tonight's news, you're sure as hell not going to beat the Golden State Warriors. It just is, doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. But again, um, the NBA is a new kind of world, guys. Uh, the NBA is about glitz and glam and flash and what you're doing off the court and where you live. Uh, there's just something great about the West Coast. People want to live there. I don't blame them. Listen, I'm a Sixer fan. Uh, yesterday we got some news that he might uh, have an interest in coming here. We, we kind of been uh, wondering that if it would happen and, it didn't, um, and he's going to go to the Lakers and not win anything, and I think it'll hurt his legacy a bit. But, guys, I think it's him just kind of transferring and realizing in the next three or four years he's got a son to worry about. He's got kids. They're going to start playing basketball and getting into it competitively. It's time to move on to the next point in his life and uh, kind of move on into that global brand. He wants to be the next Michael Jordan, and uh, Magic will help him do that. You know where he would have built his legacy? There's one place he could have gone. One place he could have gone, and all he had to do was win one championship. One. Can, championship. can I guess? Because I think I know where you're going here. Is it a Western Conference team? No. Okay, the Knicks? The Knicks. Knicks well, fans are so starved for just anything good. I mean, they, they got they got to look at Joe Kim Noah's face in another three years. Yeah, but Frank, I'll tell you what. I've looked and I've heard through the NBA rumor mill over the last day or two that – the New York Knicks are going to be a strong possibility to get not only Kyrie Irving, but also Kevin Durant. According to uh, certain reports I've heard, they both have major interest in playing in New York. So I don't know if it's going to be a long-term reality that 
uh, the Knicks are going to be poor. Right now, it's just about trying out these new players, cutting salary, things like that. But I think they'll be in, in play for a Kyrie or a Kevin Durant at some point. And 2019, the Knicks in 2019 are, are, are hopeless. I now, it might be a one year. No, it might be a one year thing. There's no uh, Porzingis is 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 going to be out until at least your so break. My my feeling is they just tell Porzingis, take your time, take the whole year off. We'll see you next year. Yeah, and, I mean, uh, it wouldn't be the dumbest idea. I mean, especially if no, make it a wouldn't move be the those, dumbest idea for those guys. You know, I think they're going to do whatever they can. Hopefully. <laughs> just to get some sucker to take uh, Joachim Noah. Some team that wants to rebuild, some team that wants to tank for a couple of years and have them take Joachim Noah off their hands. That he, he absolutely is the worst player in the NBA. He absolutely is. Frank, I've been um, monitoring. I monitored, I've been looking at your Twitter to see. I assume you were taking your nap. Uh, to see if you had said anything since the boogie signing, you have to have a take on this. I I I, I just saw it like like about just before like about ten minutes before the, we saw this just started talking, and it's just like, yeah. I mean, the Warriors are laughing. The Warriors are laughing at the Lakers now <laughs> that they signed Lake that they, they took Javale McGree. <laughs> take Javale McGree. I mean, uh, the Cousins come back from the Achilles, the, uh, the Achilles injury, so that's going to – you might take some time, but could you imagine what this team's going to be like next playoff with, if everyone's healthy? Cousins, so Thompson, Green they, – they might go 16-0 in the playoffs. Yeah. They're, they're going to just kill everybody. And I don't care who, Le, who LeBron adds. Kawhi Leonard might help him, and they're going to probably add Kawhi Leonard because that – that whenever a player wants to go somewhere in the NBA, it always works out. It always does. That's why it's hard to root for the. That's why the uh, of the four sports, the NBA is 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 fourth and a distant fourth. Uh, it's I see what you're saying in ter- in terms of like the competitiveness for who can win a title. It's definitely a distant fourth, but people still uh, love the NBA. I, I mean. And it's especially, a that I'm a Net, especially that I'm a Nets fan, a team that's completely hopeless, a team that should have never left New Jersey. They went over to Brooklyn and, and they, they 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 put they put shovels in the ground in Brooklyn and didn't realize what was going on in Brooklyn. But Brooklyn has basically become this area where they hate sports. And they hate sports in Brooklyn. It's, uh, it's like it's like hipster central. It's like, like, it really is. It's like, like, it's a whole different, different atmosphere. The fan base that they were expecting to come out of Brooklyn just isn't there anymore. That blue collar Brooklyn guy's gone. Jeff, I'm curious your thoughts on the on the boogie signing here. I mean, we it's it's so recent. We haven't like read the story of how this came to happen yet, or really why Demarcus Cousins so suited is how the Warriors pulled it off. But it's it's got to just be a ring chase, you think? It's well, a one-year contract, too. It's, so it's like yeah, it's, it's yeah. $5 million. It's a $5 yeah. million dollar contract. And, look, they did this because in Oklahoma City or uh, in New Orleans, he became expendable. They went out and got Julius Randle. Um, he's coming off an injury. Um, listen, the rich get richer. I mean, it, it's kind of a sham at this point. And I, I think 
you're beginning to see more and more people just turn a blind eye with the NBA and kind of just not really care about it much anymore. I mean, the regular season's a bit of a mess anymore. Um, you, you know, between teams not caring and just, I mean, the the dri- the, the, the absolute drifting and talent from, you know, like Frank said, the Nets to the, the Warriors is just the golfing class is just unbelievable, really. And um, this is a ring chase. I mean, he's going to, 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 you know, keep in mind last year, this is the same guy cousins that um, after a game, you know, you know, called out the Warriors. I mean, mm-hmm. told him how much, you know, uh, you know, how bad, I don't know if we can swear on here, but um, oh, of course, yeah, they told the Warriors to fuck off basically. I mean, um, so it, it's kind of, it's kind of funny how it all works, you know, um, you know, during the season, you hated them. Now, all of a sudden, you want to go join. But listen, it is what it is. Um, they get richer. They get better. And, you know, the crazy thing is about the Warriors mm-hmm. is the, the one knock that they did have, guys, is they didn't have a, a big over the last couple of years. You know, with Bogut or, or, or JaVale McGee or David West, they always they always lacked that inside presence. They got a big-time presence. Now, this is – if they weren't the best team ever, they're going to be the best team ever. Um, DeMarcus Cousins is a high-level big uh, he's probably the third best big in the league. Uh, this is a huge signing. Um, just give the Warriors the championship now. It's over. Yeah, it's, it's over. I mean, I, I like the fact that the uh, Rockets are somewhat competitive with them last year. And I would have kind of liked the Rockets again this year. But this is it. It's, 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 uh, ever since fr- friggin', uh, Durant signed there, it just, it just killed the NBA. He killed the NBA, Durant did. You know, uh, he, the thing that gets me is that Dunder could have beaten the Warriors. He could have gotten his ring in Oklahoma City. That's the thing that always ticks me off. Yeah, I mean, you know, when that all happened, it, it kind of really changed everything. But we go back to where this all started. I mean, we go back to the Boston Celtics when they did it, and then LeBron goes to Miami. Um, it's really went downhill since then. It's it's a shame, you know, because the NBA used to be so good. You know, back in the the you know the nineties, you know, every team had a a star. You know, everybody was competitive. Even some of the bad teams in the league at least had some competitiveness. But um, I think on the pecking order, I mean, it's getting to the point where you got a lot of people drawing themselves away from the NBA, um, you know, because the, the, like I said, the golfing class is just so huge. Uh, I, I could probably count on one hand how many full NBA games I watched this year. No, there's not many. I mean, I mean, if it, just watch the playoffs, just watch the difference in the playoffs. The hockey, hockey is compelling. The NBA, you know, who's going to win. Yeah. I mean, and I've always really been a college basketball kind of guy, but you know, I luckily my team's somewhat good. I mean, if you're a net fan or a, you know, a, you know, middle of the road, you know, Bulls fan or something like that, I mean, you really have no reason to watch. I mean, your team's not going to win, and no, yeah, it's a shame. I, I haven't had a reason to watch an NBA game in years. I mean, the, the Nets have been brutal. That trade they made, that awful trade, that awfully short-sighted trade, where they try to do it, where they try to do a super team by. It, Getting, uh, getting the, uh, getting old school. I mean, the problem was everyone was too old, and 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 they built a team that could have competed with the Heat, but it just they just didn't have the gas. They just <laughs> Jeff, didn't I... have it. Just and then it just, and that and then they traded all those draft picks, and now they, I mean they they get Dwight Howard. I mean they're saying they're going to buy out Dwight Howard. So, uh, <laughs> so they trade for Dwight Howard just to get rid of him. Of course, uh, Timothy Mozgov, he was a stiff. So goodbye to that. 
Jeff, I'm laughing because we'll talk about big baseball news, not related to the Mets. And Frank will always find a way to bring it back to how in, in net the Mets are. And here we are talking about LeBron and Boogie Cousins and Frank. And Frank finds a way to, to bring the Nets misery into Talk about it. the Nets. Yeah, it's amazing. Nets, it's amazing. Nets, Nets. I'm also a Nets fan. Well, even the Nets, you know, it's two inept New York franchises that mm-hmm. Frank uh, loves and he finds a way. Hey, listen, I mean, he's a passionate guy. I, I try to do the same thing sometimes. But, yeah, I noticed, uh, Frank, uh, you've called mm-hmm. in the Blackjack and I show sometimes. And, you know, it's always about the Mets. You, you, I got to tell you, you're a, you're a good <laughs> Mets fan. Uh, you're, 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 you're a loyal guy. I'll give you that. I mean, uh, I, I I don't know what the Nets are doing necessarily. I mean, they drafted they 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 drafted these Herman Munster in the first round. I mean, what do they what do they do? They, they uh, find a slow European, slow Eastern Europeans. Well, I will admit, and and I and I I didn't really say this during my introduction. I mean, one of my high level things that I do at SBR, I do both drafts and I'm actually a big fan of Musa. I think he could be a really good player at the next level. Um, you know, I'll tell you this, Frank, and, and you might not agree with what I'm going to say here, but I'm a big fan of drafting Europeans. Uh, most of which when they come over are very good players. Uh, they carve out nice careers in the NBA. Um, I, I related him a bit, to, um, a poor man's, uh, Goran Dragic a little bit, maybe a Bojan Bogdanovic. I think he could be a nice player in the NBA, but I hear what you're saying. He's not going to be a superstar. Um, and look, where the Nets were drafting, unfortunately, they really didn't. No, 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 yeah, that's, that. that's the problem. Is they, they, they are, they, they've been horrible the last four years, and they and they get they, they draft like they, they draft 30th, 29th. Yeah, they didn't have I mean, a draft pick at all. And you can't expect to get a good player there, unfortunately. And that's that's kind of the way you build your team when you're you're a bad team. But yeah, the NBA all in all is is a mess. And and I think you know all we really need to say at this point is it's the Warriors' world, and we're all just living in it. Uh, we'll use that to switch gears uh, to the World Cup. Frank, have you been tuning into soccer this month? Yeah, well, I'm at work a lot of times, but I watch the scores. I watch some of the highlights. Mm-hmm. There's a big one today. Um, well, it's the, uh, it's the knockout round, so it's all big now. Uh, the team I picked to win it all, <laughs> they were circling the drain. They were circling the drain. I mean, when uh, Japan scored those two goals, I thought it was over. And, and what a miracle comeback by Belgium. So at least the, the team I picked to win it all is still alive. I mean, I... I'm done. Like I said, I'm so bad at picking these games in soccer. I, I, I don't know what to do. It's just like, like, I get it wrong every time. I finally ended my losing streak today with Brazil beating Mexico. But damn, I got every game wrong so far. Jeff Ellison, from more of a, a top level perspective here with the World Cup, what is what has been like really the biggest story going on and kind of the biggest things to look at moving forward? Well, I think the biggest stories have been obviously the the you know the amount of penalties and things like that. But from a team perspective, I mean, you look at a lot of the big boys that are out of this tournament: Germany, you know, Spain, Argentina. Um, you know, but you look at one side of the bracket, obviously very good: Uruguay, France. Brazil, Belgium. I mean, that's about as good as it gets. And you look at the other side, 
you have teams like Croatia. You have, I mean, you have really anyone in that bracket can can get to the finals. I mean, it's quite amazing. I mean, Russia, Sweden, Switzerland, Colombia, they're all there. Um, it, it's really just kind of the, 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 the drifting class between one side and another. Um, Frank made a good point, though, with Belgium. Uh, that's the team that I have. I have them in Croatia to win this tournament. Um, yeah, they really had their bogey game today. I mean, they found a way to win it. And for me, I think that's something that can really springboard Belgium. Uh, Brazil has flaws. Uh, Brazil has looked really good, though, over the last two games, uh, particularly today. Neymar is starting to find his way a little bit. Uh, Belgium's a good side, though. Uh, they're really good from one to 11. I think they're the best team in this competition left. And, uh, they were circling the drain, but good teams find a way to win those games. And, uh, they did it today. Uh, could you imagine if somehow some way England finds a way to win this? You know, I, I, I have thought of that. And, you know, Frank, the, the problem with England is they really have this kind of whole, they never win anything. And they, they're right. They haven't won the world cup since I believe 1966, uh, but there's a lot of teams in this World Cup that have a problem with, you know, kind of uh, falling all over themselves. Belgium's a team like that. But no, it's not out of the question if England wins. England is a pretty good side. There's not a ton of expectations with them right now. They have a world-class player in Harry Kane. Um, but I'll tell you what, don't sleep on this Colombia side tomorrow, especially with Hamas Rodriguez probable to play. If he plays, um, Columbia might just beat them. There's some, if you're a betting man, there's some really good prices, uh, on the right side of the bracket. I mean, you can get some of these teams, um, you know, at 30, 40 to one, uh, still. Well, the thing about Columbia is there's always extra motivation. It's if you screw up. They can. <laughs> well, I think there's a couple teams that. Russia is another team that I, I feel like that's, I kind of has to do it, but you're right. I mean, you know, we remember what happened with uh, the Pablo Escobar reign in Colombia. Um, you know, there's some bad things that could happen to you if you screw up. I mean, they lost. They uh, they uh, lost the United States in uh, 1994 on an own goal, and the guy came home and they killed him. Yeah, Andres <laughs> Escobar. Sure, I remember. <laughs> I've been a little surprised. Twitter is definitely not the best way to judge these sort of things, but. But there's been a lot of interest in the World Cup, even with America not in it, I think. Yeah, there has. It's a good point by you. Uh, they're, I think from the, the games, I mean, the games have been, they've picked up, they've ratcheted mm -hmm. up. Uh, today's games are obviously good. Um, you know, uh, there were still good teams in this tournament. I think people, are, you know, people, I think gambling has really helped. I think a lot of people bet on this stuff and they just kind of, you know, I, I've often said, you know, the World Cup is, because you know, I follow soccer all year round, and it, it's it's amazing how many people that just have literally no idea what they're talking about. Every four years, they decide to strap on the soccer boots, and they automatically know what they're talking about. It, it's interesting the amount of new players you see and the amount of new people you see um, that love soccer. And the rest of the year, they're talking about how bad of a sport it is. And, um, you know, it's nice to see uh, new fans, but um, – it is interesting without the U.S. and Italy and some of the big teams. Uh, I think it's because the games have been pretty good recently. You got a lot of, you know, shootouts and all sorts of penalty kicks. You know, people like that stuff. I think the only thing that's really hurt it more than having the teams out is the the hours. That the yeah, games are taking place uh, at 10 and 2. Sure. No, it, I think it definitely hurts the sport for sure. I mean, uh, but again, that's what happens when you have a sport that has, you know, it over in Russia. I mean, they're seven hours ahead. It's interesting, though, with Russia, because I made a comment today on one of the shows that I do that, Frank, and I'll ask you because or, or, or even you, Brennan, if, if Russia, if this was being played in, in Dublin, Ireland, 
Do you think Russia would be in the, 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 the where they are? No. Yeah, it's kind of amazing, right? No. And that's no, that, kind I don't of power. even know. I don't even know if they would have qualified. Yeah, and that's the power that you know Vladimir Putin might have. I mean, and you got to wonder at this point: at what point do we say, you know what? Maybe they can win this tournament. That would just look too obvious, though, wouldn't it? Uh, I doubt that. I, I somehow they're gonna have their their run, their run coming to end. I mean, they they got they they got lucky yesterday against Spain. I think their run will come to an end this weekend. I think Croatia will beat them, and and that'll be that. I mean, they've went far enough. Um, but it's been a fun tournament. I mean, you look at guys, the games. Yesterday, you have two games to go to shootouts, and you have great goalkeeping. Today, you have a game where, you know, it was pretty good game in the first half, and then the better team won. And then you had today afternoon game where it's just back and forth, 2-0. Uh, they win 3-2. Um, it's been a wild emotion and a lot of different heights of the game as far as, you know, what we've seen. So, yeah, it's been fun. Yeah, the, the, I mean, I really thought I thought it was over for Belgium, and then out of the blue. Jeff, you mentioned a bit of gambling on soccer, and you mentioned you're in Atlantic City right now. Uh, we had Stu Finder on recently to talk about kind of the legalization of sports gambling, and he said he visited um, some of the newer sports books. Uh, can you talk about just what it's like down there? Uh, yeah, I, I've actually, um, I, I was just, you know, there last night. I, I'm there every night and, uh, yeah, it's, um, I, I gotta tell you, it, it's, it's not been for me. I don't think it's been a pleasant experience for a lot of people. Um, you know, I think for, and we kind of, I had a conversation with someone at the, uh, poker table I was playing with last night and we were talking about, I, I think for like the, the lay better, the guy that goes in there on a Sunday and plays poker or blackjack and you bets a couple dollars on the Eagles or an NFL game, it's going to be fine for them. And I think once they make the book bigger, it'll be better. But mm -hmm. um, from a line perspective, it's, it's a mess for the customer service aspect. It's an absolute mess. Um, they don't offer a lot of different things. Um, I don't think it's, it wasn't properly thought through. And I think some of the casinos are doing it the right way where they're kind of holding off, you know, perfecting it a little bit and then putting it out. Um, you black, uh, the Borgata has been a bit of a shit show, frankly, in my opinion. Um, it's very small. You can tell they have, I mean, the ticket takers just have no idea what they're doing. Uh, they don't know anything. I think for getting a bet in, if you really want to do it, it's there. Um, but it's right now not making me go and say, you know what? I have to bet there every night. Um, they'll bet. They'll get it going. It'll be better. But um, I don't think it's it's very good right now. It'll improve though. It's very early. Well, I think that they've. I think they, they they got fortunate that they could do the work on it during the summer because you know, sure. Yeah, come uh, the fall, that's when uh, the big time comes. Well, you have to hope so. I mean, you know, but Frank, the problem that I have is he, here's where I'm concerned about. Borgata in particular, when you go into the sports book, there's two windows open. Okay. And you walk up to the window, the, the attendants are incredibly rude. I mean, they, they're not, they're not, that, that's not, that, that's not something you need to teach. That's something you just should have as a casino uh, where you're pleasant, you, you know, and, and you know, it, I mean, any person could tell you the difference between a point spread and a total. Um, these but people it, don't it's even still New Jersey. It's still New Jersey. So why are you surprised? <laughs> well, I know, but it's like you're at a casino, you would think. But it's interesting, Frank, because the rest of the casino, like you go into the poker room, you go into, you know, anywhere. You know, you talk to the, the guy that sweeps up. I mean, they're all fairly nice. Um, you know, I don't know. It, well, it's, it's right, now they're drawing, right now they're drawing from the pool of people where their, their probation officers told them that they're required to work 
and they better work, otherwise you go to jail. Well, yeah. I mean, I think they're really scraping the bottom of the barrel for the people they're getting. But as you said, it's summer. They have a chance to kind of, you know, get it perfected. And, and once football comes around, we'll hope it's better. They're, be, they're building a new area in the casino that will house the big-time sports book. So, I mean, I, I think, I've, heard, I've heard good things about Monmouth Park so far. So yeah, that was the I've, one I've that was up there yet, prepared. But Borgata has been, been rough. You guys talked about football and how big that's going to be for gambling down there. Uh, Jeff, is college football the next kind of big sport you're looking ahead to? Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely looking forward to college football next. I mean, that's kind of my uh, my, my thing. I mean, obviously soccer, the, the club season will get going in August. But, yeah, I mean, college football is next up. I mean, you obviously have the NFL as well. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's always an interesting year with college because as July comes, you kind of start to – you know, see the, you know, the futures coming out. And I mean, they've been out for quite a long time, but yeah, college football will be next and it'll be interesting. I mean, obviously you have the, always the Alabamas and the, the big boys, but you know, I think, I think this Michigan football team, they're a team that I think people need to really keep abreast of. I mean, this is real quick, a team that hasn't had a really good quarterback in a long time. Uh, they have a kid named Shea Patterson coming in at, from old miss that, it is a high-level talent. I'm talking a Heisen Trophy kind of player. I think this is Jim Harbaugh's last swan song. They have a really good defense, high-level skill position players. I think this is finally the year where they get past Ohio State. Tough schedule, get Notre Dame right away, but watch out for Michigan. I'm, I'm real high on them as we head into the year. I'm kind of – this time of year, like July once, you know, basketball and hockey, you know, fully end. We have the drafts. We have the free agency. And I really, really start getting that football itch. Yeah, this time I mean, a lot of people do. I mean, luckily, we've had the World Cup this year. It's kind of mm-hmm. gotten in the way a little bit. And I actually, and I know this is kind of lame. We were just talking about basketball. I'll tell you what I'm really into is the big three. I really like that tournament. I think it's fun. <laughs> I think it's new. Um, you can bet on it, which is fun. And um, I think it's something that I think will slowly but surely get a little bit more popular. Uh, but yeah, I mean, right now you really have that football edge. You're ready to go. You want to see some, I mean, training camps right around the corner. So, um, you know, we're not too far away and I'm, I'm very excited because I'm, I'm a big Eagle fan. So, uh, we'll see if we can repeat and, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah, absolutely. Jeff, we would, we would maybe love to have you on, um, you know, do a little college football thing sometime in August before the season starts. Uh, before you get going, can you let everyone know where they can find you and what you're up to? Yeah, you can find me every day on Twitter at Jeff, J-E-F-F-N-A-D-U. Uh, it's a welcoming place. I might not always agree with what you say, but I think I'll be quite entertaining. Um, I do have some different things. I'm on SPR form every day, SPR picks, uh, SPRpicks.com, sportsrecreview.com uh, every day. I do all sorts of stuff, uh, uh, on that website. I also have, uh, as Frank knows, we're off for the summer a little bit, but I do do a show as well with Black Jack Fletcher. We'll kind of get that going, I think, in in August again when when and Thumps a little bit more relevant. Uh, called uh, Viva La Vegas, we do that as well. So I uh, got a lot of things going on, and uh, guys, great stuff. I mean, Frank, Brendan, you guys do a nice job. Uh, obviously, uh, Frank's uh, uh, slowly but surely getting in the eyes of many. I I, I assume soon he's going to be a high level. Uh, a-list celebrity and he's going to forget about all of us but uh, we hope we hope that someday frank you don't forget about the little people uh remember where you come from frank yeah i'll, I'll never forget <laughs> thanks for coming on i mean I've, I've i've been on your show several times so uh thanks for returning the favor you know frank before i let you go i want to say one other thing uh 
Brendan, I don't know if you've ever heard about this, but one time, I don't know, about a month or two ago, Frank called in, and I remember uh, Blackjack Fletcher made a comment that he was concerned about Frank's well-being. I mean, Frank, you seem really upset, man. Like, you you were on the brink, man, with that with that Mets team. You know, I, I got to give it to you, man. I mean, I'm a passionate guy with my teams, and, you know, I can luckily say, you know, Eagles won, obviously, recently, and that kind of took some sting away, but... You know, I got to give it to you, man. You're you're one of those dedicated people, and uh, I think the sports world's better with with you around. So good stuff, I mean, man. I mean, the Mets are just killing me. They're killing me. <laughs> I know. They're I, I absolutely. Take, I won't go down me. that rabbit. I know, I know you're aching to get down that rabbit hole. But listen, Frank. Um, sooner or later, it'll get better for you, man. Thanks for having me on, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. This was great. All right, talk to you later.